Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? My name is Johnny, and I'm a pastor of uh, Celebrate Recovery in uh, Southern California at Saddleback Church. And um, I started to go into the way that we had introduced ourselves at Celebrate Recovery. And since I feel like I'm with family, I'm going to do that anyway. So you don't have to worry about this. Um, but my name is Johnny. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with alcoholism and codependency. <laughs> See our people in the house. I love it. Uh, well, I'm so glad to be with you today. I just want to thank Pastor Mike and Pastor Chris and Teresa and the whole um, CR team for having me out. And um, it, it's good to be here. I, I was telling them earlier that um, if my team was playing in the Super Bowl today, I might have canceled. And so, um, <laughs> but the Packers didn't make it. And uh, I know you're thinking, um, how can you be a Packer fan when you're from Southern California? I was born in Milwaukee and I just decided to stay with God's team. And so that's where I'm at. <laughs> And um, I just love, I love it. I know that, okay, here are, are we Niners or, or Raiders? Niners, Raiders, a little bit of East, so it's a house divided. I like it, I like it. Um, anyway, that's probably not the most important thing we need to talk about today, but it is on our minds. I'm sure many of you are thinking about it as well. So good job coming to the early service. Um, I do wanna talk to you about something um, that I think is really important this morning, and it's something I don't think we think about very much, but before I do, I just wanna ask you to do me a favor. As a, as a visitor, I feel like I can ask you guys to do something, and if you don't like it, I'll be gone in a couple hours, so it won't really matter. Um, but I wanna ask you to do me a favor and pray for your pastors and pray for your elders and the leadership here at the church. Um, we just are coming through um, this COVID pandemic that rocked all of our worlds, and what many people don't think about is how hard, especially on lead pastors, so many of the decisions that they had to make during that time. And I know you probably already do pray for your pastor, so I'm asking you to say an extra one or two, um, just to, when you think about what's happening, when you think about this church and how thankful you are for this church, just to say an extra prayer for your pastor, their families, the elders and the leadership of this, of this church. It's, it's not easy to lead a church. And I think sometimes one of the things that we forget is that our leaders hold on to a burden um, of leadership and they care about how we're growing in our faith and they care about how we're living our lives. And often we can think, well, I don't like the way that the, it's too cold or it's too warm in the worship center or you know, I don't like this or, this or that. And I just wanna ask you, I know, he, I know Pastor Mike's about ready to, to celebrate 20 years here and what a commitment that is. And so just... Just wanted to say that. And just as you think about this church and as you think about all the things that have happened here, just maybe even this is your first time coming or you haven't been in a while. Maybe you're checking out different churches in the area. Uh, what I know already from the very small amount of time that I've been here is that this is a warm, welcoming church that is a place where I think you can feel at home. So I just would encourage you to, to get plugged in here and begin serving here. Come to those celebrations and things like that as well. And also join, uh, join them for Celebrate Recovery if you're in a place where you're hurting or you're frustrated. We talk about hurts, hangups, and habits, three things that we ask Jesus to help us overcome in Celebrate Recovery. So I'd encourage you to check that out. That's, none of that is what I came here to talk to you about though. Um, well, I want to talk to you about something that happened to me on a recent trip that my wife and I took to L.A. Now, we're from Orange County, and it's about 60 miles uh, south of Los Angeles. We don't go to Los Angeles very often. 
Um, and But we decided for our anniversary, we were gonna go and stay in a kind of boutique hotel and and we we're gonna do some some just like window shopping because we couldn't afford to buy anything. But we were gonna go and check it out. And so we found this, this hotel because what happened was is uh, one of the smartest things I ever did was marry my wife, Jenny. And one of the second smartest things I ever did was we got married in the year 2000. And what's great about that is I never have to think, all the men already know what I'm gonna say. I never have to think about how long we've been married, right? So anytime somebody goes, how long have you been married? I'm like, what year is it? 23, 23 years, right? And so it's just, it's nice that way. Uh, I highly recommend it. If you can wait for an even year, something like that, do it. All the women are like, stop it. We're ready to go. Anyway, we, uh, during our 20th anniversary, though, it was right during the pandemic, so we couldn't really celebrate and do anything except for like a puzzle, right? Because we were all locked inside and all three of my kids were with us. We've got three kids, 18, almost 17, and 14, pray for me. And, um, <laughs> and so we couldn't really celebrate. And so on the 21st anniversary, things had opened up a little bit. And so like I said, we found this place in LA and, and it was right on Melrose. I don't know if you've ever been on Melrose. I knew that was a TV show from the 90s. I didn't know much more about it. And there's all these cool little stores. And we thought, okay, well, let's just go look in some of these stores. And we found this place that had vintage clothes in it. And here's what I didn't know. That vintage now means stuff that I was into as a teenager. (laughs) I thought vintage was gonna be like poodle skirts and like, you know, T-bird jackets and things like that. No, it was stuff that I was into in high school. We were listening to K-Earth 101, which is like an oldie station, and they used to play 50s and 60s music. They were playing Nirvana a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't, I was like, that's not oldies, that's just good, right? And so, and so I'm in this place, I'm 47, and I'm in this place where, where things are starting what, what, to feel strange, because again, things that used to be just cool or now vintage. And so we walked in this store and it had vintage shirts and different things. And I saw a t-shirt, you guys, that when I saw it, the clouds parted and a light from heaven came and just lit up this shirt. And I went over and I was like, I must have this t-shirt because this t-shirt had a picture of Stone Cold Steve Austin on the front. And I'm an old school WWF fan. I can't call it the WWE. My son and I watch it together. Don't judge me or do you. It's fine. And we watch it together and I saw this shirt and here's the thing. I had this shirt in the 90s and I got rid of it, right? And so I saw this shirt and I I pointed it out to Jenny. I said, Jenny, I must have the Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt. And she said, you know, it's our 21st anniversary. Go for it. Go get that shirt. So I walked over and I picked it up and I looked at the price tag and it said $300. I did not buy that shirt. I put it down very carefully and walked away, right? Because what happened was that shirt had become vintage and a collector's item. So a shirt I paid $12 for in like 1996 was now valued worth $300. It wasn't worth $300 to me, but it might've been to somebody else. Because here's what dawned on me in that moment. Things are worth whatever people will pay for it. If you wanna know how much something is worth, how much will someone pay for it? During the pandemic, my daughter, my, my oldest daughter went on Zillow. I don't know why, but she went on Zillow and she came in and she said, Dad, look how much our house is worth now. And I laughed because I knew that that's not what our house is worth. 
that, that because of all of the things happening in the world, all of a sudden our house was worth double what it was when we paid for it. And she said, we should sell it and move into a bigger house. And I said, the problem is the bigger houses are now worth double what we would pay for it. We're staying put, right? But what happened was I went, oh, things are worth what someone will pay for it. I submit to you that very few of us have an accurate picture of what we are worth. Most of us think we're either worth not very much at all, or we have a huge inflated picture of what we're worth. And I think that most people think Americans in general are on this side. We think we're worth so much. We have this big pride issue. And, and while we do, many of us do, I think most people are actually on this other side. Most people have this deflated sense of what they're worth. Some of you feel like you're worth less. Some of you feel like you, you're ha you have no value at all in who you are. And what I wanna say to you is that you know where your value is, you know what you're worth based on what someone was willing to pay for you. And by the way, this isn't about a positive self-image and a self-ego, right? Where all of this comes from the things you're good at. This comes from knowing clearly what you're worth because God said you're worth so much that he was willing to pay for you with the life of his son. Now, in some ways, what I'm gonna talk about today is a little bit Christianity 101, but I think that's okay every once in a while to go back to some of these core basic tenets of our faith because sometimes we can hear these things, but we'll miss something important. We can hear that Jesus came into our world, that he was in heaven, and he came into our world and lived a perfect life. Think about perfect life for just a second. When's the last time you lived a perfect hour? Whatever you think of as your best hour, something during that time was not perfect. It might have been great, it might have been excellent, but not perfect. I can be thinking about how great of a day I'm having and then I get really proud of myself and guess what, I just blew it, right? Because pride is a sin. And so this perfect life, and we can think about that and we can go, wow, that's cool for Jesus that he did that. And then we think about his sacrifice on the cross for us, that even on the cross, he forgave us of our sins in that moment. And we can think, God, thank you for doing that. And we can think about the resurrection and think about the power that that means. And we can think about all those things, but we can miss one of the most important things about it, is that Jesus did that because you're worth so much. You're worth so much that he said, I would rather die than live without you. I love the book of Philippians. I love it because it's a short book of the Bible. I don't know if you are like me, but every January I decide I'm gonna read through the Bible in a year, right? And about January 4th, I'm like, oh, I forgot to read the Bible two days ago. And so I get caught up. And sometimes if you do that, you'll look at one of the books of the Bible and you're like, there's a lot of chapters in this. I really like some of the letters because they're short. And here's one of the things I would encourage you to do. I've been trying this lately. When you look at some of these shorter books of the Bible, Philippians, Ephesians, things like that, one day just sit down and read through the whole letter like you just got the letter from Paul. Because I, I would think about the church in Philippi when this letter must have been sent to them. I, I don't think they probably was like, well, let's read a fourth of it and then we'll go on with the rest of our day, right? I think they sat there and they said, read it. Hey, read it again. What do you think he meant by this part? 
And so I've been trying to read it as though Paul sent me these letters. And when I read Philippians, there's so much beauty in this verse, so much rich, or in this book, so much richness. Here's something that I think is so beautiful. This is Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Paul told us this, that Jesus, who in being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want you to think about that for a minute because Jesus was in heaven as a member of the Trinity with God, perfect unity with the Father and the Spirit, the angels attending to his every need. This is the Jesus that God said, speak, and the world was created, or God said, creation, and the world was created. I want you to try that, say sandwich. <laughs> Not gonna happen, right? But this God is so powerful, he just spoke and life happened. This Jesus was with him in heaven and he said, I would rather leave this place and suffer a gruesome death so that I could set my children free because they're worth that much to me. I want you just to stop at some point in the next few days and I want you to think about the fact that you're worth so much that Christ died a gruesome death for you. And he would have done it if you were the only one away from God. God always decided, always wanted us to be in relationship with him. When he created the world, he put us in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And I know some of you are like, yeah, that's a kid's story, but think about it for a second. In this perfect place, there was one rule. Don't eat the fruit from that one tree. Now, a lot of us really judge Eve for her decision, but we're all the same. As soon as you say don't do that, it's like, well, now that's the only thing I wanna do. I didn't wanna do it, and then you said don't, and now all of a sudden I wanna touch that hot stove. Why would I wanna do it? I don't know, mom said don't touch it. I, this is so a part of how we are that there's a ride at Disneyland, the Indiana Jones ride, that's baked this into the line experience. There's this place in the very long line where there's a rope going down into like a well thing. And if you just walked by, you'd go, there's a rope, but they have a sign on it, and it says, please do not touch the rope. So what does everybody do? They yank on that rope. And when they do, there's a little recorded voice that goes, oh, please don't touch the rope. So you do it again, and it goes, ah, oh, splash. The, the people at Disneyland know that if we don't say anything about it, they won't touch it, but if we say don't, they will. And so that's a part of our human nature. So, but in the beginning, we were supposed to live in this union with God. It says that God walked among the garden. After they sin, one of my favorite parts is when they hide, and God comes in the garden, he's like, hey guys, where are you? Like he doesn't know. And I didn't really get why he would do that until I had kids. And now even today, I'll be like, hey, who didn't finish, who drank the milk and put the carton back in the container, right? I know it wasn't me, I know it wasn't mom, we're down to three, right? But this idea of like, I want you to admit what you've done, come clean, all of those things. And then because sin entered the world later, we had the commandments and we couldn't keep the commandments. And so he said, finally, I will sacrifice myself for you because I want you to have this relationship with me. I want you to be where I am and I want you to have a purpose for living that is so much greater than just existing day to day. But when you don't know your worth, you can get stuck in the rat race of like, I'm just gonna accept this. But when you realize that you're so valuable that God sacrificed Jesus for you, 
Again, it's not about what I've done or what you've done, but it's based on the person who loves us and created us. It changes everything. And what I love about this is that it's not as if God said, once they get it together, then I'll, I'll prepare a place or I'll prepare a way for them. No, in Romans, we hear this. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. In fact, 2,000 years before any of us could commit our very first sin, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get it together, to, to be perfect, to stop messing up, and then, okay, now you can have a relationship with me. No, he said, while you're still sinning, you're still worth so much. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think of myself as somebody that's worth dying for. In fact, if I'm honest, I tend to think of myself as somebody who's not even worth fighting for. If you and I are in a relationship and I do something that hurts you and you decide to walk away, that makes sense to me. Because I don't see that my value is the value that God says, no, 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 I'm gonna go through hell to have a relationship with you. And I don't know if you're like me in that, but it changes everything when all of a sudden you can say, you might not like me, you may walk away from me, but my God will never forsake me because I'm worth so much to him. I, I just want you to stop for a second and take it in. If you're somebody who says really terrible things to yourself, you know that there's some research, research that says we say between 300 and 1,000 words to ourselves per minute. That running dialogue that's in our head. How many of those words are negative words? If you're like me, it's a lot. And I say things to myself that I wouldn't say to my worst enemy. Man, you blew it again. Of course you did. Look at you. Who do you think you are? Man, of such a loser. Why, why would you think that person would wanna be around you? We say these things to ourselves and then the other thing happens, we begin to worry. Some of you are really good at worrying, I'm better. I'm a really good worrier. I've, I've got a double diagnosis and I take meds for it. That's how good of a worrier I am. I'm really good at worrying. I'm so good at worrying that if you tell me something good that happened to you today, I can give you three things to worry about. <laughs> but all throughout scripture, God tells us over and over and over again not to worry. But what I love is rarely is it just don't worry, period. There's, there's always something else. Don't worry, but instead pray. And there's this verse that Jesus said in Matthew 6, 26. He said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I don't know about you, but when I love being outside, I love being in nature. And one of my favorite things about being outside is bird song. I love listening to birds sing. I think it's one of those things that when you're outside and the birds stop singing, it's almost like, uh-oh, why did you guys stop, right? There's just like a little early warning device. It's just, it makes me feel good, I like it. And when I look at birds, I never think, that's a really valuable bird especially the, like the little birds that fly around. I just, that's a bird. But God says, I take care of even those things. I give them everything they need. Jesus will go on to say, stop worrying about tomorrow. How any of you, can you add even one hour to your life 
with worrying. But again, it's not just stop worrying. It's stop worrying because I value you so much. I love you so much. I'm preparing a place for you. I want you to be where I am. I love that. I, I, one of my favorite disciples, if not my favorite disciple, is Thomas. If you don't have a favorite disciple, whatever. I, I do. I love them. I rank them often. Don't worry, Judas is always last. But, but <laughs> it kind of goes between John and Thomas. I like John because John calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. I just think that's kind of a cool flex, right? He's like, I'm gonna write this, my, this book, and I'm just gonna call myself the one that Jesus loved, right? I just think there's something cool about that. But I love Thomas because I feel bad for Thomas. Thomas has the nickname Doubting Thomas, which is such a bummer because Thomas had the nerve to ask questions. That's it. One time, Jesus said, I'm preparing a place for you and you know how to get there. And Thomas looked around the rest of them and he's like, do you know how to get there? Do you know how to get there? Okay, fine. Jesus, we don't know how to get there. That's, that's a doubt, apparently. And then after Jesus does something that nobody had ever done, he is crucified Three days later, raises back to life. The disciples tell Thomas, and Thomas says, I just, I'd like to see it. I'd like to touch the wounds, and then I'll believe. I've never seen anything like that before. And by the way, if somebody said that to you, I think you'd probably do the same thing. Hey, he died and he came back? Okay, can I just check it out for myself? And I love this scene in scripture where Jesus walks through the door when the disciples are hanging out. It says the door was locked, and Jesus walks through, like literally through the door. And he comes in and he looks at Thomas and he says, Thomas, come here. Takes his hands, says, feel the scars, feel the wound. And then he says, now, stop doubting and start believing. I love that he didn't say, Thomas, as soon as you stop doubting, I'll show you the proof. But he showed him the proof and then said, now stop doubting. I love this because, again, Thomas has this negative image of doubting Thomas. And all of the things that go through our head can take us off track when we forget how valuable each one of us is. You are so valuable that the creator of heaven and earth sent his son to die for you. You're so valuable, you're worth so much that God says, I would go to any length to get you back. What I hope you'll do sometime in the next seven days is sit and indulge in that knowledge. I use that word and some people don't like it, but that's the feeling when you think about how much God loves you to sit and think, but I didn't do anything for it. I didn't earn it. And in fact, you tell me I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. If anything, I deserve you to push me away, but instead you draw me close. And if you do that, if you allow that truth to wash over you, I believe it will change everything about you. You'll start seeing things differently and you'll start saying, I am, you may not think I'm worth much, but my creator does. You might not think I'm worth much, but Jesus does. And the person who I'm gonna spend eternity worshiping loves me. And my value is rich and deep and it will change everything. It will even change the way that we can have relationships. Because what you will start to see is that not only are you worth that much, but so are the people in your family. And so are the people you disagree with. 
so are the people that you would consider your enemies. And it changes things and it allows us to live in a different way. First John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, those of you who are in Celebrate Recovery and you know this term codependent, this is not codependency, right? Codependency is where I take my needs and I put them away for your needs, which sounds a lot like Christian living, but it's not to honor God, it's so that you love me. It's people-pleasing. It's allowing people to treat you badly, not because you're saying, well, I'm gonna do this to honor God, but so I have a better relationship with you. But Jesus is saying, I loved you so much. And then what we can do is turn around and love other people because we can see their value as well. Because remember, things are only worth what someone will pay for it. And while I want you to take some time this week and think about how you are worth so much that Jesus paid that price for you, I want you also to think about the people you disagree with. I want you to think about the people who maybe sit in this room that you have a hard time with. Or maybe they sit around the kitchen table in the mornings or around holidays. You guys, we just walked through a season that caused more division than anything I've ever seen based on our response to COVID. It tore families apart. People who used to be close couldn't see eye to eye on things. And I think this is the time for us to stop and say, we may still not see eye to eye, but I know how valuable you are. And so I'm going to love you even if we don't agree on everything. I'm going to love you because you're worth so much that Jesus left heaven and died for you. And if we can begin to treat each other that way, it will change everything. We still might not see eye to eye on things, but we can say, hey, let's not fight about it anymore. You feel what you feel, I feel what I feel, let's love each other. Now that doesn't mean that we're gonna be in relationship with everybody, especially if people hurt us deeply. There is a time where you may say, I'm going to love you, but I'm also going to protect myself because you've been abusive, because you've hurt me, and you're not repentant about that hurt. Or even though you say you're sorry, you keep hurting me, so I'm going to protect myself. I can love you from a distance. I really am glad that this says we should love each other, not like each other, right? I can love you. We may not like each other very much, but I can still love you. And that will change the way that we are able to treat each other. And by the way, this doesn't come from ourselves. You don't force yourself into this. This isn't a fake it till you make it. This is a trusting God and asking this to come from him. First John 4, seven through 11 says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his, life, his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Here's what I just wanna say in closing. I want you to take some time this week. My prayer is that you'll take some time this week to focus on how much God loves you. I want you to spend some time not thinking about how God so loved the world, but how God so loves you. 
because you're part of that. And if you're like me, it's easy to think about God loving everybody else. It's harder for me to think about God loving me. And in fact, sometimes it feels a little selfish or it feels maybe even a little like it's the wrong thing to do. But God wouldn't tell us how much he loved us over and over again if he didn't want us to get that message. If he didn't want us to stop and say these songs that we sing about God loving us, he says that about me. These verses that we read about God loving us, he says that about me. Every time God says I love you, he's talking directly to you. You may not think very highly of yourself. And I would bet even the person that you think has a high self-image really doesn't think that highly of themselves. And you may not think you have much value. In fact, you may have had a lifetime of people telling you that you're worthless. We bought this lie in our culture that pain is worthless, and so people who have experienced pain are therefore worthless. But pain has a purpose in our lives. And when we go through pain, it can draw us closer to our loving God who says, I'm sorry you're going through that pain. Here's what I'm trying to do during it, but stay connected with me. I love you so much. So this week, as you go through your week, as you go through your days, when you're praying, when you're listening to a worship song, when you read your Bible, when you have a conversation with a friend, whatever happens, maybe when you see the sunrise or sunset, stop for a moment and just thank God for loving you. Thank God that you may not have a positive self-image, but it doesn't matter because how he sees you is worth dying for. Thank God for his love. Ask that love to fill you up so that you can give it out to other people. Because God didn't just create us to have a relationship with him. He He created us to have a relationship with others as well. So my prayer for you this week is especially if you're feeling right now like, I don't know if that's possible for me. I don't know if I can feel that love. I'd like to, but I don't know if it's possible. My prayer for you is that you'll stop and my prayer is that God will lavish that love upon you and it will chase you down. And every time you turn around, you'll go, God loves me. And it'll break you down to that place where you will finally turn to him and say, thank you, God, for your love. Help me love you more and help me love other people more. Because if I'm worth it, then other people are worth it too. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, I come to you today and I just thank you for letting me be with with my friends here. And God, I know that many today came in here and they feel far from you. God, I pray that in this moment they would just stop and recognize how much you love them and how much they're worth. God, your word tells us that you've lavished us with this love, that we get to be called children of God, that you love us so much, Jesus, that you came out of heaven, stepped into our earth, you suffered a brutal death. You endured all sorts of insults and persecution because you love us. And so God, I pray that each of us, myself included, would have a moment in the next few days where we would be overwhelmed by your love, where we would feel like you are right there with us, telling us how much you love us. And God, just for that moment, I pray that we could put everything else aside 
not think about what we're gonna do with that love, not think how we're gonna return that love, but instead, God, just enjoy the feeling of being loved by you. And then, God, I do pray that you'll help us see how we can return that love and give that love out to other people. God, allow us to love you and love each other more and allow us to see ourselves as people who are worth so much. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen.